Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Yamandu Alexander, CEO and Chairman of Makeba, a fintech company enabling emerging markets to transact securely without credit cards or cash. And in this episode, we talk about how Makeba got started, how they're able to reduce the merchant fees by 90%, which is just insane, why they decide to fundraise with WeFunder, how Yamandu decide to get involved with fintech in Africa in the first place, the art of pitching your story as a founder, which is so important, what's contributed to Makeba's 35% monthly growth since January of 2020, moving from France to the United States when he was 19 years old and what that experience was like for Makeba, and also three books that he recommends that you read in order if you want to really make a difference in your career, in your business. I really appreciate him sharing those, actually, and I've read two of the three, but did not read the first one. We talk about that in this episode as well. As always, these show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. And Yamandu mentions his WeFunder process, and I just want to shout out the link before the episode even starts, wefunder.com slash makeba, that's M-A-K-E-B-A. If you're interested in investing in his company, you can also check out Makeba at makeba.money. That's makeba, M-A-K eba.money to learn more about the company doing some great things in the world if you want to invest learn more check that out and finally if you're interested in equity crowdfunding wondering what this is all about wondering about wefunder which is one of the top equity crowdfunding platforms out there head over to justgogrind.com slash wefunder you can get a discount on their fees learn more about the company as well through that. I'm, I'm very excited to partner up with them. I love what they're doing and I'm trying to spread the word about their company and funding options for people who are building companies. Without further ado, here is Yamandu Alexander, chairman and CEO of Makeba. Yamandu, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you, Justin? I'm doing great and ready to chat about a lot of, a lot of things you're working on, especially with Makeba. And with this company, I'm curious as to how Makeba got started. So Makeba is born um, out of the analysis of the telecom data. I've been uh, doing telecommunication with Africa since uh, 1998, and we accumulate a lot of uh, data. And uh, using this data, we were able to uh, identify, quantify, and uh, geographically locate the African diaspora in the world. Then we benchmarked this traffic uh, to uh, remittance traffic, and we were able to see the uh, individual pattern sending about $200 average back home. Yeah. And um, yeah, now the, the problem that we're solving over there is that uh, remittance cost uh, to the African diaspora about 10%. So we build um, an application solution with a, a backend of... Um, technology using um, different financial rails so that we can reduce that uh, cost below 1%. And then we are attaching to that now in Africa uh, a mobile payment system and with um, the merchant uh, having a point of sale, uh, Makeba business, where um, they are able to use it like you will use a square terminal, like a point of sale. And yeah. we are reducing their, their fees uh, about 90% on, on, on merchant fees. You know, um, in the U.S., we are used to this 2.75% that, let's say, square charge as a merchant fee. 
So in Africa, that's kind of high. So there is a very high informal market that doesn't want to pay those digital solutions. So we are giving them a, like a state-of-the-art uh, point of sale at a quarter of a point uh, as merchant fee, therefore 90% cheaper than what they have today so that we can keep the money in the ecosystem, uh, build up data, and uh, eventually provide uh, cheap lending to, to boost the economy because... Uh, Makeba stands for Make Better Africa, and we want to address the problem of um, income inequality by uh, pushing for financial inclusion. So that's what Makeba is. I love it. I love what you're doing, the mission behind it. And I want to just real quick on the reducing the fees thing. I, I think I, I, people are going to hear that. Like, and my first thing that comes to mind is how. <laughs> like, can you get more a little more deep deeper into how you're changing these fees or how you're structuring the business to be able to allow to have the fees be so little compared to the other kind of merchants out there. Yeah, so it's a little bit of the hard way. So the, the easy way would have been like many fintech to just link up to Visa, MasterCard, Western Union, Rails, and still charge those high fee and provide the solution. But we decided to do a, a solution from scratch. So it's a full ecosystem, and uh, we own the full flow from the uh, receiving the money in the U.S. into uh, the uh, wallet of Makeba, then sending the money to the far end with our bank partners, and we created the wallet instantly in the local currency, and we managed to do it since it's our own ecosystem um, at less than 1%. That's incredible. And you mentioned that you're kind of looking through telecom data to figure out some of these things around uh, the market in, in itself. How have you gone about even choosing which markets then to enter into that you're going to offer this to? How's that evolved over time? I'm just curious. Yeah, great question, Justin. So obviously Africa, uh, it's a big continent, 54 country, and each yeah. country very different one than the, uh, and the other. So we, we decided to start with a small uh, country called Capo Verde. It's in West Africa. It's an old uh, Portuguese colony. Very great country, uh, no corruption, 500,000 people living there. And the particularity of that country is that 500,000 Cap Verdean live in the Boston, Massachusetts area. So it's like one of the only country in the world that have more people outside the country than in the country. Wow. And uh, I got the chance to... Uh, build uh, the second mobile network in that country and which we sold in 2012 so i have a deep knowledge of the the country the distribution channel and the local uh, the local momentum that there is now in um, technology and mobile payment uh, so we partner with the government to pay the pension uh, to collect taxes and it's growing good we've been growing uh, 30 percent month over month and um we do intend to start the U.S. So right now we are doing a, a fundraising with uh, with WeFunder. And with this money raise, we are going to start the service in the U.S. so that we can finally do the remittance to Capo Verde. And behind that, um, after all is well set up, the security, the AML is all functioning correctly. Now we have a banking agreement in Nigeria, in Senegal, uh, 12 countries in West Africa. We are talking to an additional seven countries in Central Africa. So we have rails to grow to an additional 42 countries um, after, uh, after Capo Verde. So it's, it's, it's looking good. But uh, to answer your question, <laughs> we wanted to start small and carefully in Capo Verde. 
and then grow to other big market once you are uh, well set up and secure and all the security parameters are well checked. And you know, taking a step back from this as well, in terms of the the funding side, I know you mentioned WeFunder, but I also I watched the, I think the video on WeFunder or a different one you had about how you raised like a two point five million dollar seed round, put in some of your own capital as well. How have you thought about the the funding side of the business from from the early days? Well, we it's definitely not easy. I mean, that's the life of an entrepreneur, right? You jump <laughs> on the plane and you build the parachute on the way down. So um, we got lucky that we have um, an institutional investor in, uh, from South Africa that invest the first $1 million. And then we did uh, friends and family, uh, different round. I put in myself also half a million dollars. And until now, we're about 2.5, 2.6. And uh, we are looking to raise in this round with WeFunder maybe up to a, a million. So I invite everybody to go to uh, wefunder.com slash Makeba and feel free to... Um, to buy shares. Yeah, absolutely. And just for people who, if they don't know the spelling, M-A-K-E-B-A. And I will definitely link that in the show notes as well. And I want to go through that process as well. How did you decide that you want to go crowdfunding route with Makeba? I'm curious as to that. So we were in a situation where we were not quite ready to have the metrics that will sustain a Series A of 5 million. Yeah. So we wanted to do that last round of seed and uh, due to COVID-19, traditional investors were at that time very busy with uh, trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. And um, I have checked it out, a uh, different crowdfunding platform, and I came to uh, WeFounder that um, were easy to set up, um, very helpful in advising how to set it up. It took us maybe like a month and a half. We create the page, did the, um, all the all the filing with the um, Security and Exchange Commission, provide the financials, and uh, up we go. And um, we were lucky to have uh, a good lead investor by the name of James Bashara, and uh, it's been uh, a great. 178 people so far already uh, bought shares, and we are continuing until the end of the month. With that process, that month and a half of kind of getting live on on WeFunder. Uh, I- through that, I mean, what was the, what took the most time, I guess, of that? What maybe were some some challenges along the way for anyone kind of looking at potentially getting started with a crowdfunding campaign? I would love to hear more about the the process for you. Yeah, sure. So no, number one, to put your uh, due diligence paperwork together because you're filing a form C with the Security and Exchange Commission. This is like literally going public. Yeah. So you have to make sure that all your eggs are on the row. And then you need to have uh, reviewed financial. So the uh, audit firm go through your financial to make sure everything is straight on your balance sheet. And um, then you have uh, a lot of design work, uh, making the video, making sure the page is well explicit with what you do. So between all this work, it's what you should plan a month and a half to two months to be well prepared. And then what is important also is to start the campaign with uh, with already some investors, right? Because you need um, starting investor that will bring already the campaign up to, let's say, 100K. And then you have the crowd coming in. But it's very hard to raise money from the crowd when you're starting at zero. So you, you have to do that work uh, with some investors to come in uh, early early stage. How did you end up finding James, your lead investor? 
it's actually we found her that uh, made an introduction because he liked this uh, fintech space and he had experience in Cape Town uh, in South Africa. So it went to them. Oh, that's perfect. And uh, one of the things too is I actually looked at crowdfunding for Just Go Grind in terms of some of the things I wanted to do. I was debating raising capital and I didn't end up doing it and that may change eventually. I'm not sure. But uh, how did you decide on WeFunder versus other platforms? Because there's there's definitely a number of, of different platforms out there in terms of crowdfunding. Uh, how did you end up choosing the WeFunder? The size of the company, they have a lot of investors. They had a lot of successful campaign. They are the one that raised most of the money. Their fee structure is pretty straightforward. And um, yeah, so it was a mix of efficiency, uh, reputation, and uh, commercial advantage. Yeah, and there's a lot of different things to kind of look at from people. And if you have more of a, if you have a hardware product, there's going to be different ones. You obviously have like Kickstarter, Indiegogo on that side, a little bit different on on this side with with. WeFunder as well as being an option, but um, definitely something to think about and look at. And I know you mentioned getting kind of that first first few investors on board when you're crowdfunding to kind of help you kick things off. And then how have you gone about, you know, you have 178 investors raised over 300,000 now on WeFunder. How have you gone about growing this in terms of getting more people to invest in your company? Yeah, so at that point, you have to hire a good uh, advertising agency, create relevant assets that will talk to the people. Um, in our case, because we are focused on uh, providing financial services toward the continent of Africa, we have to be explicit of what we do. Um, bear in mind that you're talking to an audience that doesn't necessarily know about the continent of Africa and the financial <laughs> challenge of the continent. So this uh, cool education process through marketing, through advertising, and then with this advertising agency, um, we spend money on advertising on Facebook so that people are aware of the campaign and uh, it's been successful um, of people coming in and doing uh, investment and leaving a lot of nice review uh, once they uh, once they do the investment, which you can read all of them uh, on WeFunder. And, and Yamandu, just taking a step back, I know you mentioned kind of seeing the data to make this uh, kind of understanding that this is going to be a, a good opportunity to pursue this. But for you personally, you're an entrepreneur who started multiple businesses before why did you decide though that this was the next thing you wanted to work on i mean i have um, done education so in the philanthropic side we have built a school in uh, in congo uh, so to me both education and social empowerment in the continent it's very dear to my heart uh, i believe that it's only through economical growth and education that the continent will get better and we'll uh, keep moving forward to so there is prosperity and there is view of hopes for the youth it's a very young continent 70 percent of the population is below 30 years old and it's growing to be over 1.5 billion people uh, soon so to me after go green ride which uh, i've sold in 2015 i didn't want to see any more physical assets i didn't want to see <laughs> any more big w2s of uh, payroll so I have looked into financial services, which is a type of business that after some good investment and after um, a lot of learning in compliance, you can have the rails and grow exponentially uh, very easily as long as you provide very good service, provide trust and security to the people. Um, the, the market is huge. I mean, uh, in Africa, we have only 25% of the population that is banked. 
So there is a huge need, uh, and, and plus on many of these countries, the uh, old business are at 70% informal, so made in cash. So definitely uh, Makeba have a huge room to grow in the, in the continent, and also I believe in Latin America, Asia, and, uh, and the rest of the world. So it's something that can easily be uh, scalable, and that's yeah. my attraction with it. It's, it's really something that can change the world, and... Um, uh, banking as we know it, uh, paying credit card fees of 3% just doesn't make sense anymore today. Paying a wire transfer that takes two, three days, $45 just doesn't make sense anymore. Paying 10% of to, to send $200 so that your family can survive just doesn't make sense anymore. So we need to change all that. Absolutely. And with that though, too, understand this opportunity and it's obviously a huge market. I mean, a massive market. There's other people I'm sure that are, are looking at the same thing. How do you view competition? Where does that play a part into, you know, what you're doing with Makeba? Yeah. So, I mean, competition is there, but it's segmented, right? So you have the competition in the international remittance space with the main player being Western Union and MoneyGram and some other transfer wise coming with digital solutions. Then you have domestic mobile payment and peer-to-peer transfer companies that are usually led by the uh, mobile operator. The most famous one is M-Pesa in Kenya. And uh, then the other third leg of what we do, which is the, the, the lending side that we will start once we have the data, that today is mainly the banks that are providing this lending and is very expensive. And since there is no standardized credit reporting system, it's very hard to calculate risk for them. Therefore, the interest rates are very high. Therefore, the loans are very high. And that is kind of a very hard mountain to climb for businesses to grow. So competition is there and it's good and it's healthy, but competition that do the full ecosystem the way we do it, uh, we don't have that yet. One more thing with with that as well, um, just going a little deeper on like thinking about getting this into the hands of as many people as possible, understanding, like you said, 25% of the continent is, is banked, which is I mean, a lot of room for growth there. How do you look at user growth, user acquisition for Yamandu and making sure that people obviously, you know, Yes, for Makeba, sorry, that people actually get this in their hands. How do you look at the user growth side of things? So the the, the legwork of um, acquiring the merchant requires human beings and boots on the ground. So we have marketing team uh, with local company that go to businesses so that they accept Makeba as a form of payment. But for individual individual users and for the diaspora sending the remittance, it's very much word of mouth and uh, digital advertising very specifically to the communities. So let's say when you start Capo Verde and you target advertising to Cap Verdean people, you're not targeting Ghanaian or Swedish, you're focusing very singularly on Cap Verdean and that is easily to do with uh, digital advertising services today. Then what you hope is fairly quick, you reach a scale where your customers are the ones spreading the virus of your service, like WhatsApp was spread. You get WhatsApp on your cell phone because somebody told you to download WhatsApp to communicate with you, not because you saw a WhatsApp billboard on the New Jersey (laughs) Turnpike. So you want to reach this type of virality uh, with, with your marketing and with your customer being your marketing engine. And for that, you need to have a very good product, very easy, very safe, and trustworthy because you have to do with finance. 
yeah, the trust part of it seems to be like one of the, the biggest things, especially in this this type of industry with with being a financial services type of thing. I mean, that's that's everything is having that trust involved with that, and obviously the word of mouth then gives you some virality, allows it to grow with you spending less money on growth, which is uh, desired by every every company out there and as well. And uh, obviously, this isn't just you, uh, you know, building this. Like, take me through a little bit more of uh, on the team who you've had to kind of bring on board to to help make this a reality. Ah, that is the best question. I am lucky, 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 and uh, I have what I consider the dream team. <laughs> uh, wonderful ladies, wonderful people, uh, very diverse team. You can see on our website, Makeba um, about. Um, we have. Uh, it, it was important for us to build our technology in Africa by Africans. So the whole development team sit in Senegal, in Dakar. And we have there uh, 24 developer, iOS front-end, uh, Android back-end. And um, they have the one for the last three years that have been building and fine-tuning the, the, the technology. And in the management um, between uh, Adriana, Fatim, so, so we have a bunch of um, very talented executives that have participated in Makeba early on. Uh, we've sweat equity into the company, so they <laughs> believe in the company. They have a vested interest. And um, yeah, so I'm lucky to work with, I, I think, what are the top guns in each of their field, marketing, compliance. Um, our creative director, Justin, is down in Cape Town. Yeah. So yeah, I'm lucky to have very great people around me and uh, I would have not been able to do it without uh, those great talents. How did you convince them to work on this company? I mean, uh, talented people have options, right? <laughs> so how did you decide, how did you, you know, convince them or what was the the pitch behind it to be like, hey, I think you should help us with this company. I'm curious about that, Imandu. I guess for the international management team is them understanding the vision uh, and them knowing, you know, a little bit about what I have done and my uh, my commitment to social impact. For the development team in, in Senegal, actually to get the best developers, uh, we were, I remember one of the interview with uh, an iOS lead, we were sitting at the, at the Radisson Blue in Dakar and um, during the, the interview to convince him, I say, imagine this uh, girl from Singapore and this guy from Japan and they both sitting in a restaurant in Tokyo and the bill come and the guy pull out his phone and pay with Makeba, a solution that you built here in Senegal. And his <laughs> eyes light up and he was like, yeah, let's do it. That's amazing. That's, that's a, it's so much to, there's so much to the story of how you bring people on board, why people want to join a company, you know, from interviewing so many different founders at this point, I, I get to hear a lot of those different stories of how they, how they do that. And I think the ones that are good, like, you know, the story you just mentioned there, the ones that do a great job of storytelling are able to bring on better talent, are able to then build their team, which then allows them to build their product better, which then allows them to build their company faster or whatever it may be. Like that's this talent of storytelling is huge. And for, for you then, I mean, you've had multiple companies. How have you kind of honed that skill? Or are you getting help with understanding what the the story is behind a company? I think any entrepreneur would, would benefit from hearing more about how you kind of tell that or how you've kind of shaped that over time. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the art of um, pitching your story, you, you get to understand what people worry about. Who are you? What are you doing? Why does it matter? What problem are you solving? And 
if you are looking for me to invest, obviously some financial information on the scale, how conservative is your business plan, and um, how realistic is the capability of your team to execute on the vision, because obviously uh, execution is, is key to everything here. So I, I guess that's that's the way you got to say it and, and be very um, transparent. You know, this is what I've done. This is why I know what I know. Um, I've been, uh, in my case, it's since 1998 that I've been doing business in over 38 countries in Africa with the telecom, building an, a school as a nonprofit, uh, building telecom network, uh, GSM in, in Capo Verde. So you get you get to learn a thing or two, you know, and and you get to know the English speaking countries like Nigeria. You get to know the French speaking country like Senegal, and I get to know the Portuguese speaking country like Capo Verde, Angola. So <laughs> you you get to have um, and plus uh, a network of people. Uh, I have over seven thousand people, friends and business that I accumulated in the last twenty two years. Yeah, and I'm just curious, how many languages do you know? <laughs> Barely English, obviously, and French. <laughs> no, you're doing great with the English. <laughs> yeah, just two for now. Okay. I had to ask all these different countries. Like, I wonder like, how many uh, you are. And and one thing is that going back to the customer acquisition, I know we talked about a little bit more on the users, like individually who are going to be using it. But uh, on the on the note of like the merchants themselves, then, I mean, uh, how are you going about that in terms of the merchants, in terms of which ones you want to have used, you know, Makeba or strategically how you're going about that because there's multiple sides to to this in terms of acquisition. I would love to hear more about the, the merchants specifically. Yeah, sure. So for Makeba business the, with the merchant app and the business um, account and corporate account, so we did the segmentization of the, of the market. So you have the informal market, the lady selling banana in the corner on the streets. You have the more established business that have a brick and mortar store, and you have corporations that have multiple supermarket airlines and things like this. So we cater our offering uh, specifically to each of those segments. Uh, to give you an example, we signed with uh, the Shell gas station so that every gas station in Capo Verde accept Makeba as a form of payment. For them, that was straightforward. Number one is contactless. Number two, it's fast. Number three, they save 90% on their merchant fees and they get the money instantly and there is no fraud. So that was a no-brainer for them. They sign up. Then for the airline, we are going to provide them an SDK so that from their paywall on their website, uh, people will just scan the QR code and pay for the ticket at the time of the purchase and the money get credited to them instantly. And now for the ladies in the market, uh, the point of sale is the attraction point with a very low fee and the fact that they get the money right away and they don't have to deal with cash. And now, unfortunately, with this pandemic uh, that have affected very negatively uh, Capo Verde, where they were shut down, for them, that was the only solution to do business is to get paid remotely. So Makeba was a big boost uh, for us since April. Yeah, and that everyone's kind of had to evolve the business with with COVID and this pandemic situation. Obviously, different companies have different situations they're they're dealing with, but it's affected people in some way for sure. And I think imagine that people using Makeba, this is a very tempting uh, solution to use on uh, in this situation as well. And and with that too, with these different merchants and everyone, I know you mentioned the thirty percent kind of month over month growth. I mean, what do you think though has contributed most? to that in terms of the growth side? I mean, 
One of them is the um, the partnership we did with the post office. So the post office is responsible to pay the pension to 23,000 pensioners that receive their money in cash at the post office every month. And it's very... Uh, big headache for them they have to wait on the sun long time online to get their cash every month so definitely during a pandemic with social distance all of that was closed those people still need money to buy foods and basic necessities so makeba signed an agreement with the post office and we start signing up all those pensioners to receive their money um, digitally on their wallet directly so that have been a very significant uh, growth for us in capo verde word of mouth the the government is supporting this initiative to go digital and it's not just in capo verde i mean last friday we got the pleasure to sign also a memorandum of understanding with the state of kaduna in in nigeria where we are going to duplicate what we did in capo verde in the state of uh, kaduna in nigeria where we we actually got the license last tuesday to start service um, in Nigeria by the Central Bank of Nigeria. So, yeah, it's been it's been successful. And I believe that COVID-19 have shown the people that carrying cash, uh, which is literally a virus carrier, uh, should be stopped. I mean, today there is no reason to still walk around with cash. Yeah, I, I, I rarely do either. <laughs> it's, it's actually strange to even think about having it now at this point, which have come a long way. And... I wanted to talk about real quick, just with, I know you have your kind of your most important values listed on, on LinkedIn. I think values are a huge part of one people personally, but then also how that impacts their business. How have you developed, honed in, or kind of shaped your values over, over time, Yamandu? Hmm, that's a good question. I guess first will be what your parents teach you. And then it's what life teach you. I came to the U.S. I was 19. I had to start working as a busboy in restaurant. Then I was a waiter with um, a runner with restaurant Daniel and 76 and Madison. And that's when I start the telecom company. And doing business in Africa in so many different countries teach you to be humble, to be respectful, to be loyal, and um, and to learn from different people that have different experience. So I guess that's what have shaped the Yamandu of today. And and with that, just taking a step back, you mentioned that nineteen moved to the U.S. Uh, how was that? How was that experience? Well, I, I came to the U.S. because I, I really like hip hop, right? And um, New York nice. was the place to be at that time. Karis One, Nas, all those rappers, and and yeah, I came from France uh, for the summer, June twenty first, nineteen ninety four, and decided to stay. And I didn't want to go back to France and um, I was up to no good over there. So I <laughs> stay here and um, I started as a busboy, then a runner, and I was making good money uh, in a French restaurant. And um, yeah, that's how it all started. And I started uh, to sell cellular phones to all the French waiters and French chefs. And I met somebody from Congo and start selling cell phones into Congo in um, 1998. That's what you, thought. Yeah, I mean, that's your first business. Like, did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur, or like, because that, I mean, that's selling phones in different countries, and that's just not what everyone does at at that age. I'm curious as to how you kind of came about becoming an entrepreneur. Well, all my family, my mother was a singer, my father is an artist, photographer, my grandfather was a painter. Everybody is artist in my family. My brother is an artist painter also. 
and I'm the only one that was attracted to create companies, uh, give jobs and um, make money doing it and reinvest all the money in a new business. So I don't know, I guess it's in the blood. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's really cool when you, you know, like now when I go to Capo Verde and I visit the headquarter of uh, T+, you know, which is now Unitel t because we sold the company to Unitel. And there is there hundred of hundred people walking. This company have invested over one hundred million dollar in the in the country for this telecom company, and um, and those people they don't know me, and we created this company over a barbecue, and that's like really a good feeling that you know you took a bet, you took a chance, you work hard, and now somebody have a job, they feed their family, they send their kids to school because of your crazy crazy idea on, on a barbecue. So I think the big reward of any entrepreneur is when you are able to um, improve the life of others that don't know you and create jobs that boost the economy. That's, I think, is really uh, what turns us on. Was there a, a certain point or, or events or anything that kind of shifted you from the first company selling phones and just, you know, the idea is like interesting to kind of just sell things and be an entrepreneur that way to like then really thinking more about kind of the social impact side of things and really doing good through entrepreneurship directly. Was there a point that, you know, that happened or how did that evolve? Yeah, good question. So definitely selling a project, right? Let's say I sell a cell phone. So you take the physical cell phone in your hand, you give me $200. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Now, what's next for me? I got to wait that somebody else buy another cell phone and it's not something you do every day. And then if you have a problem with the cell phone, the battery doesn't charge good or something, you come back and you say, mm, the battery is not charging good. I need my money back. <laughs> so product have something that started me, but very quickly I, I, I left the selling of product and I went into service. So you make a little sense every minute somebody call into Africa, but while you're sleeping, people are still calling and you're still making money. So service was definitely the way to go. And I believe that the focus for me moving forward will be financial services and electricity. That's it. And then obviously philanthropic. So social impact came to me around of 2006, 2007, when I met um, a friend from, uh, from Congo and with her, uh, we created this foundation, uh, which is Malaika. And um, we are lucky to have now uh, over 370 girls getting an education uh, in, in Congo. And that was some type of entrepreneurship also, but obviously a non-profit and have been a very significant event in my life. Um, yeah. Would you, uh, I guess, any, any, any type of advice or uh, lessons or teachings, anything you, do, you would say to anyone who's interested in starting a company in kind of the uh, social impact space, uh, debating between maybe a non-profit or a for-profit company, but that's impactful, anything you would say to those entrepreneurs, Yamandu? Go to Amazon.com and buy a book called The Three Zeros from Mohammed Yunus. And after you read that book, you have an understanding of what social impact business is. It's great <laughs> to make money, but um, once you get the car you want, the house you want, the boat you want, what's after that? You know, what are you here for? Is it to get another boat? Is it to get another house? Long term, what is the impact that you want to leave? What legacy you want to leave for your kids to be proud of? I don't see many people saying, hey, my dad had two boats. Okay, he is amazing. But my, my dad built a school 
So I think I prefer the, the later. <laughs> I, I love that you shared that. I think I've seen from a number of different entrepreneurs who you see that as they go through maybe their first or second company and they do go after maybe just the money initially, but then it's cool to see that, like people do change that even where, you know, shift to other businesses um, eventually, but it's like, yeah, you could also just start with an impactful business that also makes money. Uh, so you can have both in terms exactly. of like, you know, having a good life, but also impacting and helping others, which I think is kind of the, the ultimate thing. And um, can you just go through like, you know, what is kind of, I know you kind of mentioned already, but um, the, the big vision, the big mission and vision for Makeba, what do you see this being like long-term? Long so if we look at what um, Alibaba and Alipay and Ant Financials have done in China, is what Makeba will do in Africa. So it's pretty straightforward. Uh, financial inclusion, uh, better lending through better risk analysis, reducing the uh, cost of inbound remittance to the diaspora, giving tools for the diaspora to be able to invest, so crowdfunding and private equity into Africa through Makeba, through financial services using the same rails so that you can grow the business in Africa, grow to the full continent as soon as possible so that you can participate in the African Trade Act that promotes trade between different countries in Africa, I mean, th there is some countries today where sending money from one to the other within the continent costs you up to 25%. Wow. So obviously that, that needs to be changed. So the grand vision is to address the problem of income inequality through financial inclusion. And I believe that if people are given the financial services and the financial tool, they can save, they can have a better life, they can have uh, at one point insurance, uh, crop insurance, so they don't lose it all when they have um, a bad weather situation. Yeah, so that's, I think, what is the vision for Makeba, being in financial services, phase two in insurance services. And as far as what I'm concerned, I would like to to use the proceed of this uh, to build uh, to build schools in in a larger scales and to uh, to promote education vocational training and things like this but that's kind of my personal long term vision of what i would like to do when i grow up <laughs> and and with that as well then i mean what is your day to day look like in terms of what are some of the things you're working on now because i you know there's always this huge mission this huge vision but it takes so long to get there day-to-day like -day now in 2020, October, what are some of the things you're working on or focus on? Well, since January, my day-to-day -day have been very monotone. It's from the apartment to uh, the office here downtown New York by Wall Street. Uh, we had to stay in the apartment for a long time. So unfortunately, I miss Africa. I used to travel a lot every day, every week. I used to be in a different country and now I'm stuck in New York. <laughs> so, But day-to-day, -day, as far as work is concerned, um, a lot of my time now is talking to investors and I don't necessarily uh, enjoy that. I prefer to focus on building the business, but it's something that you got to do as an entrepreneur. So yeah, I guess it's about 30 to 40% of my time. And the rest of the time is working with the team, uh, working on specification, working on organization, working on cash flow management. And um, yeah, it's, but it's a pleasure because when you when you do it working with uh, with a team that really know what they're doing, uh, have as many ideas as, as you have and are able to understand you and implement those ideas through technology and that it work and people are using it, it's, it's a pleasure every day. So I don't call it work. I, I just enjoy it. Yeah. 
And I know you mentioned the three zeros as one of the books that people should check out, but are there any other books for you, you know, personal or professional that have been impactful for you? Oh, yes. So <laughs> first you read um, the three zeros, then you read the Blue Ocean Strategy. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And then once you're in it, you read the hard thing about the hard thing from Ben Orovich. I love that you give us a series. It's perfect. <laughs> and in that order. <laughs> perfect. I'll make sure people understand in the order. The order is also important. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Um, I've read two of the three, but I missed the first one, so I messed up. So I'll have to, I'll have to go back and check out yeah, the three. Yeah, reformatted, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, is there anything else you just want to share with other either entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, or people just trying to you know make a difference in the world? Yeah, I guess that the main one would be never give up. I mean, there is so many people that will tell you no uh, when you try to raise money, no for this, no for that. Yeah, I, I call it kind of the modeling gig. You know, when you're a girl or a man, top model, you do castings and somebody tell you, oh, sorry, you're too fat, too skinny, too tall, too dark, too light, your nose too big, too small. And, and it, it could hurt at some point, but you really have to be thick skin. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you do your due diligence very well. You do your market study very well that you the best uh, at it. You know, you really learn your shit. And once you know, don't take no from an answer from anybody that give his own opinion because it's always from their perspective. It's, they don't have the experience that you have in whatever you want to do. You know, you've been at this podcast thing for a while. You you know, you know your way. So it's not somebody that's gonna come and tell you, no, this thing is not gonna work. Nobody's gonna listen to you. But well, you you know <laughs> what you're doing, and you prove it, and you keep going at it, and you never give up. So I guess that's the only thing. Just never give up, and don't take no for an answer from a nobody. Yamandu, where can people go to learn more about Makeba and also connect with you if they want as well? So right now, definitely uh, uh, money and uh, wefounder.com slash Makeba, M-A-K-E-B-A. And I'm available uh, anywhere as far as I'm concerned on, uh, on LinkedIn, Instagram, and all those uh, social media under Yamandu. And um, yeah, but definitely there is a lot of information already on the, on the website from the Capo, Capo Verde market. And uh, as far as metrics and KPIs on the uh, WeFounder page of Makeba to do uh, to do investment, which is uh, available until the end of the month. Perfect. And I'll be sure to link that all up in the show notes as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. Yamandu, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I look forward to, uh, to meet you one of these days where humans can interact. <laughs> I can't wait for that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.